The Bible Study Podcast, episode 448. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Matthew with chapter 19. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We got partway through chapter 19. We're going to start up with verse 13, the little children and Jesus. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now, this is an interesting story, not just because Jesus did this because it was going to show up in every Sunday school I've ever been in, but because not but a chapter or two ago, Jesus had the disciples who were arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Remember, and he brings a little child and says, unless you enter the kingdom of heaven as a little child, you can't do it. And then there's the whole different sections that he went to there about don't cause one of the little ones to stumble and all those things. And it seems like we hadn't quite had that message sink in. Remember that kids were not as important in those day and age. For one thing, quite often, as often as not, they didn't make it to maturity. And so you didn't want to get too attached, although I'm sure people still got as attached as we did to our kids. But really, until recent times, a lot of cultures thought of kids as little adults, as somehow imperfect adults. But Jesus, again, is saying the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What do we do with that? One is, it says that Jesus values children. That shouldn't come too much as a surprise to us. It's certainly there in the Old Testament. In and amongst things, for instance, how pissed off God gets when people start sacrificing their children to false gods. It's not just the false gods, but it's also the children. So we shouldn't come as too surprised that God likes kids. But what that means for us, though, I think, is where does that go in our priorities? Where does the rearing of children, for instance, go in our priorities if it's important to God? Not just our kids, but also helping out friends, even if we have no kids. We have one friend I think of, for instance, who has a lot of kids and yet no kids. She's involved in a lot of different people's lives in a very special relationship, even though she had no kids of her own. She's involved in the raising of children. And I don't think that this is necessary an area where we do badly, but it's just a reminder that this is important to God. Then we continue on with something that is a little more challenging in our day and age. The rich in the kingdom of God. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. That's a rather long section here, so let's go back and break that up a little bit. So a rich man comes to Jesus, and he says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? What good thing do I need to do? I've led a pretty good life, but what do I need to top it off with? Do I need some sort of penance? Do I need some sort of project? What is the good thing that I need to do? That's really what his question is in this version of the gospel. And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And I love the fact that he says, which ones? Because remember when we had the story of the Good Samaritan, and we had the man who wanted to justify himself, the teacher of the law, and he says, who is my neighbor? And I said that at that time, that the real question he's trying to ask at that point is, who isn't my neighbor? Who do I not have to love? Well, similarly, I have to wonder when a man asks, which commands do I have to keep? Well, they're all commands, right? So why would you think that you would only have to keep some of them? So really what he's asking is, are there some that I don't have to keep? Are there some that are less important? Or what's the most important one? And Jesus gives him a short summary of one part of the Ten Commandments plus a love your neighbor as yourself, right? Murder, adultery, steal, false testimony, honor your father and mother. What's interesting is the ones that Jesus doesn't bring up. He doesn't bring up anything that has to do with coveting, right? Don't covet your neighbor's house or his manservant or his maidservant or his wife or anything that is your neighbor's. All those he doesn't bring up. And he doesn't bring up to put God first, right? Don't have other gods. And it's interesting that he brings up just those because he says, you know, here is a set of commandments. He says, all of those have I have kept. What do I still lack? Now, you know, I'm picking on this guy because he says, which ones do I have to keep? But you have to appreciate that as he's coming to Jesus, this seems like someone who is sincere. This seems to me like this is not a teacher of the law trying to trap Jesus. He's really looking for an answer. And, and I think that because he keeps on asking, right? He hears this and he says, well, I kept those, but he is recognizing that he may still lack something. I appreciate that the humility in this man to understand that even if he's kept all of those, that he may still lack something. There's a good heart here, I think. And Jesus says the devastating thing, which he doesn't ask anyone else in the Gospels, but he does ask this young man, if you want to be perfect, sell your possession, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. There is a problem that Jesus has identified in this young man, which I think is why he didn't bring up, you will have no other gods before me, why he didn't bring up the coveting and some of those things, is that at least in this man's life, and we'll talk about you and I here in a second, but at least in this man's life, the treasure he had was in the way of his salvation, right? What do I lack? 
give up everything you have. Because what you have is in the way. What you have is more important to you than God. Well, how do we know that? Well, he goes away sad. Now, we don't know what happened later on. He went away sad, and maybe he changed his mind. And, you know, we don't know who this young man is. We don't know if this young man becomes a Christian later, if this man's treasure always holds him captive. But we know at this moment he's faced with a hard choice because he really loves all the stuff. And the stuff is more important than come follow me. So that's part of the story. But the other part of the story here is Jesus turns to disciples and say it's hard to be rich and come to the kingdom of heaven. And they are stunned. And they're stunned because their understanding is that God blesses you with riches because you're a righteous man. Remember the story of Job, right? That is where their understanding is coming from, is that if you are righteous, it's because God has blessed you with riches, and therefore the richer you are, the more that God has blessed you. And clearly that's an indication of your righteousness. And Jesus is turning that on its head here as he says, it's tough, to be rich and be a believer in God. It's tough to be rich and be a follower of God. It's tough to be rich and to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's why they say, you know, if not them, then who? You know, entering in through camels, going through eyes of needles. And some people say, well, you know, when he says camel through the eye of a needle, they sometimes call that the gate, the eye of the needle, and all sorts of other ways of interpreting that. But the disciples' reaction says, oh, my gosh, we're stunned because what you've said sounds impossible. What you've said sounds very difficult. So let's just stick with real full-size camels and real-size eyes of needles. But Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. And we get a little thing at the end here with Peter saying, well, what about us? We gave up a lot of stuff. And Jesus says, if you give it up for my sake, you know, it doesn't say if you give up just houses, right? Or fields or jobs. He says, if you give up brothers, sisters, fathers, mother, wife, children for my sake, which suddenly got a lot harder then you receive a hundred times as much. Many who are first will be last and last will be first. God has different standards. God is not impressed with how rich you are. God is not impressed with how much money you made. In fact, it's probably getting in the way. It can get in the way. And I would remind you that if you're listening to this on a mobile phone or a computer or through the internet, you are probably in the richest 10% of the planet, as am I. And if we really want to think about it, maybe even richer than that. We are a rich nation. And it's important for us to remember that our love for God should be more important. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, or Instagram as Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening.
No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.